Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Currently in a series, I have the privilege of picking it back up in Luke. Um, And uh, to give you a little context of where we're going, we are in a portions of passages where a lot of these are about Jesus defining what how to be a disciple, what he's looking for. Um, if you remember, uh, Austin shared about how Jesus defined greatness. Uh, Alex even had a message called How to Be a Christian. Do you remember that message, right? And so this, what we're looking at today, I would argue, is like the supreme bow on the top of all of those teachings, of this is what it's really about. And so if you have your Bibles, you'll need a Bible. Um, if you do not have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and I'm sure somebody can get you one. Go ahead and raise it high. You will need it. We are going to be looking at like two or three different passages. So I really want you to, there's something about seeing it with your eyes. So go to Luke 10 and go to Luke 10. And when you are at Luke 10, go ahead and stand for the reading of the scripture. Like I said, we're in a series uh, in, in recently where God is defining success. He's like, hey, this is what I want in a disciple. This is the kind of heart I want. How many of you love spoiler spoilers? I'll give you the spoiler right now. Here's a slide before we read. I think we have this slide. Success is a heart that is full of adoration, Andoni, with eyes that stay gazing on Jesus Christ. I said Andoni because he gave me a word uh, just before I spoke about adoration, so it's crazy. So success is a heart that is full of adoration with eyes that stay gazing on Jesus Christ. That's the goal for you this morning, to run out of a Martha season and run into a Mary season. Look at your Bible. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Go ahead and stand, and I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and give us a fresh gift of adoration for the person of Jesus? I'm thinking about in Revelation, you use this language, and you talk about being lukewarm, would you heal us this morning? You also talk about returning to our first love. 
Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd increase your presence in this place all across every aisle, every seat. Would you come and poke at our hearts? And actually, I pray that for every single person here, that, that, that today, this day, would be a day where it was almost like a before and after. Something happened that day, that Sunday, where I came back to first love, and I understood my primary calling was you, Jesus. We repent. Thank you for the gift of repentance that we get to cling to you. I thank you for Saints Hill Church today that there is the start of birthing a bunch of Marys. May it be so, Lord. Here we are. Here we are. Everyone said? Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So my goal with you all today is really to do... um, Uh, we're going to stay in Luke here just in a minute, but my goal really is to do a full um, study on Mary of Bethany. So without getting into it too much, there's like seven different Marys in the Bible. A lot of them get confused. We're looking at Mary of Bethany, and Mary of Bethany was actually um, portrayed in the story, in the scriptures, three different times. So my goal is to look at uh, our text today, but also look at the two other uh, times that we see Mary, because I believe that Mary really, um, obviously, outside of Jesus, is our really uh, great model and our goal and standard of being a follower of Jesus. So now with this passage, we see uh, uh, Jesus is in Mary and Martha's house, and it's a pretty familiar portion of text. Like, we have probably all have read it before. We've probably heard it before many times. And in all honesty, if you can relate, whenever I heard this taught, it always created two types of extremes of people whenever I heard this growing up. Like, sure, maybe they touched on the heart, they touched on what that was about, but a lot of times it was more just uh, these two extremes of people, like we all know the stressed out, tired mom or dad that's always doing stuff, or the sweaty aunt that's running around the church potluck, going crazy, doing a bunch of unnecessary, unnecessary things. And it was taught, okay, don't be that person, right? But then instead, we know the worshiper in church, the, cry, the one who's always crying, always on their knees, knows every lyric to every song. They're the one that doesn't need the slide, right? They don't need the slides. They even know verbatim all the spontaneous parts. So how I always heard this message taught was don't be that first person, be that second person. Right? And, and, and that's fine. I, I, in essence, that's a good lesson. Don't overwork and worship more. Sit down, calm down, just worship more. And if I'm being really honest here, we're family here, right? So whenever I heard this, um, it, it was almost like the Sunday that was really big for the moms. I'm just being honest. Um, where it was just like, it, somehow it was like, yeah, I can easily relate to Martha. I shouldn't be that. And so the, it, was, it was the women, the, the, the moms that came out. Sheesh, pastor, what a good message. I needed that. And, and I'd argue all of those are good, but all of those are still externals and leaves certain people, most of us, out of this story and leaves us simply with just worship more, don't get sweaty. But I believe there's way more in this portion of Scripture where, again, Jesus is coming after the heart of all of his followers. He's coming after your heart this morning. And a teaching that moves our hearts to show us what we're created for which means that this text is for every single person in this room. No one is safe, okay? You are not safe. Look to your neighbor and say, you are not safe. 
So like how I said, I, I, I was always taught about this text that it was Martha versus Mary, but I'd argue it's way more about this. Next slide. Mary before Martha, okay? So in all that we do, we are called to be a Mary before a Martha. So we're gonna work through this text again, and I wanna, I wanna look at the heart and spirit of Martha and, and contrast that with the heart and spirit of Mary. So verse 38 says, Jesus was coming here with his disciples, Right, And Martha, it says, Martha opened up her home. So opened up her home. What does that mean? Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Alex, recently talked about kingdom hospitality. I get them mixed up quite a bit. Um, uh, I'm joking. Uh, we see that not that long ago, he taught us about kingdom hospitality, right? So I want to be very clear right at the, uh, at the beginning. Martha, uh, in the Jewish tradition and culture, she was doing the right thing. So culturally correct, she was doing the right thing. And then we see Mary was spending her time talking and learning from Jesus, which also in that tradition and culture, being at his feet was a taboo for multiple, was taboo for multiple reasons, okay? So Martha did the right thing, but it wasn't the better part. See, the goal is not just doing the right thing, but hear me, this is the goal for this talk, is being a person that learns how to seize an opportunity, so today, we, are, we need a moving in our spirits. We need a full movement from a Martha spirit to a Mary spirit. And, and what we see is Jesus' answer to Martha was shocking. He said, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Other translations say this, worried, bothered, anxious, troubled, upset, distracted. Martha starts to lose her joy in serving. Have you ever been there? This is going to be a huge message of taking inventory. So it's not just me talking to you. It's you also hearing me, but, but connecting with the Spirit and receiving, okay? Okay. Thank you, Bria. <laughs> Jesus points out two things in Mar Martha, worried and distracted. And get this, in the Greek, these words can be read, and have you seen this in your life? Pulled apart and dragged away. At the very core of Martha's effort to serve was action, and at the core of Mary's service is relationship. This was simple, but it blew my mind when I read this. But look at verse 40. Here we go. This is a big deal. I don't know why I missed this before. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care? So she's talking to Jesus. Kind of crazy, right? That my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Mary was working. That's how I read it. She was working, but she became a person. She was a person that knew how to seize an opportunity. She saw a window of time of actually Jesus is in my house. That's the place where I want to be. So she's working. So it's not even just about the, the stuff. The supreme priority of Mary is FaceTime with Jesus. And Jesus confirms what he wanted was what Mary did. The gospel doesn't primarily give you a duty. Hear me, primarily. There's tons of things to do in the gospel. But the gospel doesn't primarily give you a duty, but instead it gives you a beauty. Cheesy enough for you? See, they are doing out of two different motives. So even real quick, take inventory. Why are you doing in your life? Think about all the things that you're doing. Why are you doing what you are doing? Is it to delight him? Is it to resemble him? Is it to please him? 
Mary is showing us that Jesus is too beautiful to not gaze upon. Jesus is the reward. Jesus is what brings the purpose to the mundane of life. So it's about Mary before Martha. So in Mary, we see that she has chosen what is better. And Jesus says, this is the thing that cannot be taken away. And then I want us to really look at what Jesus said here. Look down at your Bibles. This is crazy. This will, if you let this simplicity touch your heart this morning, I promise you will be changed forever. He says this, verse 42, but few things are needed. It's almost like he, I mean, I'm being silly, but it's like, he's like, but few things are needed. Wait, autocorrect, uh, or indeed only one. Can you say only one? Only one thing is needed. So this is wild for multiple reasons. But this phrase has really stuck with me for the last two weeks. Out of all of this, all of studying, reading, that phrase, one thing is needed, really has been in my head mostly. One, this isn't just a good lesson. So what we know as followers of Jesus, Jesus is not just a really good teacher. So this is not just like, hey, like, hey, in all your stuff, there's just one thing that's needed. I'm teaching you this. You need to learn this lesson. That's part of it. He's teaching us. But this is what we need to understand is this, this wrecked me. This was so simple, but I hope this does something for you. When Jesus said that, he only said what he saw his father. Well, he only said what he heard his father saying. So when Jesus said one thing is needed, God said it. Okay, we're going to get there. When Jesus said it, Holy Spirit said it. So let me word it this way. That wasn't just a good teacher saying that. This was creator talking to creation. So he's actually giving Mary identity. Okay? He's saying, hey, through all of the priorities in life, through all functions and things you can do, he's boldly saying one thing is needed. Is this wild to anyone else? Okay. Like everyone in this room would say, the testimony of their life is that Jesus came and saved you, that you believe in God, that he set you free, that you believed in him being the truth, and that he is your Lord. And therefore, you have made a decision to give him your whole life. And here, hopefully, all of us believers believe in the origin story of the Bible, where he, this God created us, and our desire is now to be under his rule and reign. So it's like a major deal that that person, let this sink in, that person, creator, is looking at creation and says, this one thing is needed. Bare minimum, this should perk your ears up. Okay? Bare minimum. But if not, even more should be out of everything, out of all all the kingdom, all the gospel that you have been accepted into, that you received, this should be the one thing that is sticking out to you. Oh my gosh, this is why I was created. Okay? So therefore, this is serious to Jesus, and it should be a sobering thought to think of that maybe this one thing should actually be protected at all costs. And all these other times, we see it here, and we see Mary two other times, that Jesus is defending Mary. And it makes me realize at the same time that it must be the one thing that the enemy wants to get after. I would argue that when Jesus said, this is the one thing that is needed, that went through the demonic intercom. Like, like, like the enemy and all his little demons heard that is the one thing that is needed. I'm going after that thing. And how many of you know that that one thing 
it's, it's one of the hardest things to protect. Okay, we're getting readjusted here. So what, is this, what does this say? It's the one thing that's probably easy to overlook. So especially in a life where you actually are living life and you're actually 12 things are needed right now. Jesus says there's one thing needed. Even more. Maybe you're better than the person next to you. I actually only have three things that I feel like are needed. Only one. What about you're so good that you're like, I'm only juggling these two things. Jesus, creator, is saying one thing is needed. Okay? So there's a supremacy. There's a primary calling to your life. And hear this. Your primary calling. I'm here to remind you today, this morning, that your primary calling is sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's being a worshiper. It's living a life of adoration. That it's the one thing that is needed. And Jesus is saying, I know that there are other things, but let me show you through Mary that this one thing is needed, that everything else will fall into play and you will know the right things to do the right way with the right heart. Remember, this is what Austin's talking about. Alex, he's going after the heart of the believers. Motive. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was saying in Matthew 6 when he, in this section called Do Not Worry. It's almost like he knew what he was saying when he said, but f- seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well. Okay? Next slide. Let's read this. Pursuit of God. A.W. Tozer says this, when the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here on this earth. We want heaven on earth. It's adoration. It's gazing. Amen? Then we see Mary uh, commanding something, a Martha commanding something from Jesus. Have you ever done that where you're like, Lord, do this? That Lord, do this is not the fruit of gazing upon the Lamb. Okay. So we're called to be priests. Our ministry first is to God, to Jesus. Maybe you've heard that language before, and maybe it makes you uncomfortable, but really what I'm getting at is it's the first and greatest commandment is what what Jesus said. It's to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And then get this. The second is the overflow of the first. Love your neighbor, what? As yourself. I think sometimes we read that as just love your neighbor. No, just love your neighbor, but as yourself. Why? Because in the first commandment, loving God, you will find your rightful identity in that. It's in communion with God, worship and adoration. It's in loving God with your mind that you grow in your identity and you learn to see yourself how he sees you, which is loved. And you, out of overflow, begin to love others. The way you see yourself as loved, allows you to then go to the second commandment. Are you guys getting it? Because if we aren't careful, I've seen this, especially in church and in life. Our first ministry, remember I just said our first ministry, our primary calling is to, to gaze upon Jesus, give him adoration, sit at his feet like Mary did. Our first ministry normally is about four or five on the list. Jesus, I, I wrote this, and it when, even when I wrote it, I was like, ooh, it was a little sharp. Jesus did not die for an hour-long church service and $20 in the offering bucket so that we can live the other six days self-absorbed on our cell phones, going after our own task and being disconnected from him. Jesus died to tear, 
to tear all the veils down, to bring us far, the ones that are far away from our Father into deep intimacy and communion with him. I'm here to remind you that Jesus is your primary calling, being at his feet. So Father God is running after you today. Whether you are like the prodigal son who is far from God, you took your inheritance, you were in sin all all weekend, you're far from him, Jesus is running after your heart today. Whether you are the busied person who does all the Christian activities, yet you're lukewarm and distracted, That's probably most of us where I talk to, you ask me, I talk to you, life isn't actually that bad. I'm telling you, Jesus is running after you and there's more for you at his feet. Whether you are the university student, the seminary student who is trying to be perfect in knowledge and it's stressing you out, he's running after you today. He's, He's actually prioritizing your primary calling. See, the moral of the story is learning how to be a person who knows how to seize a moment with Jesus. The moral is learning how to see a window of opportunity and say, yes, I need to be at the feet of Jesus. Your primary source of identity is not what you do for God. That's also what we learn from this text. Are you guys alive? Are you awake? I don't care if just one person's getting it. That's fine. But are you guys alive? Okay, your primary source of identity is not what you do for God. Listen to this. It's not what you do for God. It is who you are to God. It's learning from him, in love with Jesus, learning how to adore him. Listen, if you do not do this, you will get the spirit like Martha. If you do not do this, if you are not a Mary before Martha, Listen to this. You will make what you do for God and what you do in this, your, in, in this life your primary reward in this life. But you will always be left dry, distracted, and not present. And like Martha, you start getting bitter towards the others around you. If you live this way, where your identity is found in what you do, you will start having problems when it comes with recognition. Recognition starts to become a major goal of yours, and you need it, right? Let's just talk about church service right here. I'm going to just speak pretty open. I've been here before, too. If your identity is found by what you do for God, you will only think in lack. You'll constantly need compensation, and you will not get recognized by the leaders the way that you think you should be. It's kind of quiet in here. And hear me, I'm not trying to poke at all of us. I'm just saying, this is not my thing. This is what happened to Martha. It creates something where you can look directly in Jesus' face and say, do you not care? (laughs) Instead, the heart of Mary is unaware. Listen to this. Let this sink in. Receive this. Instead Instead, the heart of Mary is unaware of everything else. You're not tempted by external circumstances. The rewards that those externals can bring do not matter, and you're not looking for payment from everyone around you. You're not looking for Jesus to pay you back. Why? Because his face, his words are your payment, and Jesus is your reward. Okay. See, a true Mary can work and worship forever with a glad spirit, with zero need of being noticed, because in secret you found a reward in him. 
Jesus is noticing you and that is all that matters. So just sit here for a second. I'm talking really fast. I'm probably sweating a ton. I think I am. Just take a moment. What does the spirit of Martha look like in your life? Take real inventory. Not, not with, just, just you and the Lord. What things in your life, remember those Greek words, how, what things pull you apart and drag you away? Is it technology? Just, just that alone. Worshiping iPhones, I, this is me. I'm the guy with like an Apple watch. <laughs> this is a big deal. Technology in this day and age is insane. It's insane. It, it allows you to not fulfill this primary calling. But is it your career that drags you away? Is it money? Is it project self? Get this, uh, Martha was, was distracted about all the preparations. So is it future planning? Do you mostly live your life in preparations? That is the opposite of being present, presence focused. So I want to talk a little bit then about just the, the why or how, how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this? Uh, Greg Boyd says this. I love this quote. Next slide. I've become absolutely convinced that remaining aware of God's present moment by moment is the single most important task in the life of every follower of Jesus. If we are honest in this place, even as Christians, a majority of us at times are really bound. We actually worship gods of distraction, busyness, and anxiety with obvious bad things. Pornography, YouTube. YouTube is my thing. YouTube is the thing that keeps me from Jesus' feet. I can't tell you how many times I repented of stupid YouTube. All the wives say, amen. Husbands and their videos. <laughs> okay. So it's even the good things where we're busy running around distracted by the many things, preparations, busy running around doing what seems like good around us, serving, whatever it might be, but we are not choosing what is better. Running around, doing things around Jesus, but then we never sit at his feet. Which means what? We are actually never looking straight at Jesus. And what Mary shows us and challenges you and I this morning is saying this. This is crazy. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord, for this. Jesus said, Mary chose. Can you say chose? Say, I want to choose the better part. Speak to your spirit. Say, I will choose. So the better part is coming out of all the busyness, the distractions, even the things happening around Jesus and choose to seize the moment and be present enough to see that window of opportunity and be at his feet with your Bible open. So take inventory of your life. Is this true about your life? Where you can sit at his feet with your Bible open and listen to this with your mouth shut. (laughs) This one's free, but your biggest tip in prayer, I promise you your prayer life will totally if you sit and let him talk first. Okay. Where you listen, you're passively attentive. Is that true about you? Is that true? Is that true for me? Are you looking at his face and hearing his words? Have you learned this in your life that as a disciple, have you learned, so this is super practical, ready? To prioritize a time and a place that is impossible to talk you out of. 
where you have come to the decision with your iPhone, with your friends, with your calendar, that in order for you to live, this communion has to take place. If this is not true for you, it was not, it's not true for me all the time. I need to repent. Think about it. Ask yourself right now, have you chosen the one thing that is needed? Are you truly a person that is marked by choosing the one thing? I've noticed the devil will let you do a bunch of church and be busy. Tons of fallen pastors. The devil will just let you be distracted and be on YouTube and do a bunch of church, the good stuff, and be busy. But where the devil is truly scared is when he sees you choose the better part. And do what Mary did, seizing the opportunity. And the reason why I'm pretty passionate about this is because this effect, this now needs to affect everything that we're busy people. Our schedules are full. I'm passionate because tomorrow you will go back to changing diapers. I will. Monday comes. You will come back to serving tables at the restaurant. You will go back to your school schedule, filling it with so many things. But in order to love him rightly, we need to see him daily all the time. And, and, and if I'm honest, I know myself. I know how fast I can be distracted in this day and age. Martha wanted to feed him more than feed on him. Are you content with all the things around him and about him and then not sit and look directly at him? It's so easy. And with that prophetic word, with that very first uh, quote, adoration is what does it. What is adoration? Here's, a, here's my definition of adoration. It's taking your soul, ripping it from self, from flesh, and saying everything, my mind, will, and emotions belong to you because you're so beautiful. Adoration is the welcome mat to actually allow you to live this lifestyle. Guys, what I'm talking about today is what is going to keep you enjoying your Christian walk and not be bored. We all have friends that once were on fire for the Lord and then they went away. Do we have those friends? And it's sad and it breaks our heart. It's because what happens is that they uh, tried to live a life. They had a lot of public, this is my experience. They had public experiences with God, things around God, all good things, worship, all this public stuff, but it never went to the primary calling of a private, sustained, satisfied life. Okay. See, the point of church is enjoying and adoring Jesus. The point of the gospel in your faith and being a parent and a friend is adoring and loving Jesus. The point of your life, why you're alive, how you get abundance in your life is enjoying and adoring Jesus. It's sitting at his feet and knowing him. Martha shows us that activity robs you of your attraction of Jesus. So you may be looking at me and you're like, Jake, you don't know my life, X, Y, and Z. If I could have even 15 more minutes in my day, I would want to read the word. Okay? But busyness, hear this, this is important. Busyness is not having a lot to do. Jesus had a lot to do, probably more than you and me if we're being humble. But get this, for Jesus, the work never got in him so much to break connection to his source that is his father. That is it. See, the answer all the time, not all the time. See, I'm not creating a contradiction. It's more like a paradox. You got to be a disciple and choose. You got to do those things. But the answer isn't always doing less things, like, like taking a bunch of stuff out. Remember, the context of all of this is doing things, but with the right heart and the right motive. So it's choosing the right things. 
You also may be sitting there saying, it can't be that easy. I've tried it, and it's not that easy. The difficulty in this simplicity that I'm telling you is that you, the difficulty lies in you wanting to play a part in it. So yes, you got to choose the stuff, but Jesus said the work of God is to believe me. Martha lived an easily bothered life. I was having dinner with my wife talking about this message. Probably like just as sweaty and spitting like I am now. She's just sitting there like a good wife. But I, I said this thing. I said, for most people, I want this to really hit your heart. This hit me. For most people, for you, it's, I, it's not going to be major big sin that is going to stop God from using you. But instead, it's just giving your way to distraction. For some of us, it is sin, and we got we to gotta deal with that. We see pastor, whatever it is. But for most of us, it's not the big major sins. It's your YouTube. <laughs> it's learning how to have self-control. What does that mean? It means to live by the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control and temperance over the things in our lives. So the call is here. Next slide. I love this slide. You will not become a person like Mary on accident. This is the call. It does not just happen. In the Psalms, the psalmist talks about setting the Lord before you. You have to discipline yourself. So there's a call today, a call again to be a disciple. Um, this is Bible too, not getting involved in earthly affairs. Why? To bring pleasure to the commanding officer. So it's not going to happen by accident. And it's not just doing more Christian activities. We do things all the time, but it's about that adoration. The soul is your soul's disposition to God, something that moves his heart. Or are you just in your prayer closet just thinking? Thinking's great, but are you drinking? That was another cheesy one, but my mixtape's coming out soon. Do you like that? <laughs> so we got to kill distraction and busyness. Is anybody getting anything from this? I don't need this. I'm saying for you and the Lord. We're coming back to our first love. This is what we're doing. Richard Foster says this. This is crazy. Next slide. In contemporary society, our adversary, ooh, spelling error, sorry. That's me. Adversary, so that's the enemy, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Psychiatrist Carl Jung once remarked, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Another cheesy dad quote, I heard this, busy is, is burden under Satan's yoke. We'll remember that one. So we love meetings, church activities, but we have a hard time being alone with him. And I think it's because we don't know what to do with our boredom. Now listen, I need to be very clear. I'm not implying Jesus is the desire of nations. Jesus is far. Everyone in here would agree. Jesus is nothing close to bored. But with culture, our cell phones, TikTok, instant gratification, whatever it is, we, the idea of being silent in solitude, like Mary, sitting there at his feet, we cannot push past that if, we're, if most of us are honest. And it's okay. We go to God and we pray, Lord, teach me to be like Mary. So we actually have to figure out what to do with our boredom. It's choosing the better part. 
I heard a pastor once say this um, in regards to um, inspiration and how we live in an inspiration culture and Bible and, and reading plans and not trying to be legalistic. He's legalistic. He said this. This is so simple but so good. I cannot tell you last Thursday what I had for breakfast, but I know that it nourished me. So if you have a struggle with this, you're just a disciple. This is the word of God. So a lot of times we sit here and we can't even for five minutes and it's like it's not, nothing's clicking. Uh, it's nourishing your soul. This is a living word. Be a disciple. Choose to sit at his feet. Don't give in to boredom and, 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 and push past inspiration. Push past those things. I promise you, five minutes will turn to 10 minutes. 30 minutes will turn to an hour and it, you will never want to leave. I promise So Martha was anxious and irritated, and she was given to busyness. Next quote. Are you guys proud of all my slides? Here we go. Corey Tenboom says this, beware the barrenness of a busy life. Let that sink in. Beware the barrenness of a busy life. So today we are called back out of a Martha season. I want to quickly, we're slowly going to wrap up. I'll do it a lot, a lot quicker here. I want to look at the two other mentions of Mary because I think if we learn the heart of Mary in Luke 10, we can learn a lot more in the other times. So quickly uh, flip to John 11. John 11. This is so good. We're going to start with verse 17. So Jesus comes to conf- uh, uh, comfort the sisters, so Martha and Mary, because um, Lazarus, uh, Lazarus was dead. On his, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. So we can just sit there for a second and think. It's Jesus, so we know that his timing is always good. God's timing is always good. But in the natural, Jesus is late. He's late. And people have thoughts about it, right? Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss. Get this. Ready? Look at these two spirits working again. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, which looks like faith. But here's sweet Mary, and she stayed at the home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, listen to this. If you, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. In context, we see like, like this is actually a little accusatory. She's hurried. She's bothered. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, which is so just awesome. Martha answered, get this. I know he will rise again in the resurrection and at the last day. So get this. Her theology about the resurrection was good. She's saying good things. Are you tracking? Okay? And then I love this. This is like Jesus about to do like half court shot and then drop the mic. Ready? Jesus said to her, I, sweetie, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he's questioning Martha because in a way she's questioning, he knows her heart. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the son of God who's come to the world. You're like, oh, sweet sister, you're not getting it. After she said this, and I love this, she just went back. She's like, I hit a wall with Jesus. <laughs> Called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, and she said, and is asking for you. Let that sink in. 
Jesus is looking for Mary. I got hurriedness, a busyness from Martha. I got good theology, but I'm looking for a worshiper. Okay. He's looking for Mary. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but still at the place where Martha met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, notice how quickly she got up, went out and followed her. Okay. When, and then verse 32, when Mary reached this place where Jesus was, she fell at his feet. So she fell at his feet. There she goes again at his feet. And get this, verbatim says the same thing Martha said. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But what did she do? When Jesus saw her weeping, she said the same exact thing, but with tears in her eyes. Same exact thing. When Jesus saw her weeping, she said, uh, Lord, if you not be the, okay, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, something Mary did, and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see. And then Jesus wept. And then later we see Lazarus was raised from the dead. So the father seeks worshipers. That's what Jesus is looking for. So even today, he's looking out today and he's looking right at you. And actually what this says is if you get the key in Luke 10, the Mary heart, even in all of your crisis, confusion, and questions, is your peace found at the feet of Jesus? See, most people would rather explain than adore. So there may be people here that are offended at God because of timing or questions that aren't answered. Mary shows us, teaches us, it's more important that his presence is there. She said the same thing that Martha said, but the Lord wept. Mary is willing to love Jesus without fully understanding. I guarantee you she had all the same thoughts that her sister did. Are you willing to love and trust? Martha said everything, maybe you can relate to this, from her eyes, from her flesh, but not her heart. We also learn here, this one's kind of free. Signs and wonders, all these kind of things are birthed out of a place. You want Jesus' hand to move through your hand and heal someone? It comes from actually you getting his heart, you sharing a heart with God. That's what we see here. So Martha was worried about many things. Later on, I'm going to speed up here. Later on, uh, we see again. You're like, okay, is Martha finally learning? Then we see later he goes to raise Lazarus, rolls the stone open. And how many of you remember? She's like, hey, it's probably stinky in there. It's been four days. She's not getting it. She's not getting it. Now, John 12, we're almost done here. Jesus anointed, he's anointed at Bethany. So right after that, we see Mary, the last time that we see is that she now, I've taught on this before, so go back and and listen, but uh, pours out this pure nard. How many of you just, did anyone bring their nard to church this morning? Pure nard, um, and poured it out of an act of worship. Um, So it's in John 12, it's also in Matthew 26. So real quick, let's flip to Mark 14 because there's a phrase in there, the same story, but Mark 14. And worship team, you can actually probably come up, actually, if you don't mind. Mark 14. Verse 3, here we go. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. 
She poured it all on his head. She poured it all because Jesus is worthy of it all. So what you withhold from God, how much you pour onto God, these are all measurements of how, how much do you think Jesus is worth. In worship, in your time, in your schedule, do you pour it all out on Jesus? That shows that he's worthy of it all to you. Okay. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money could have been given to the poor. They rebuked her harshly. Here's Jesus defending sweet Mary again. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. So she seized a moment. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body before and to prepare for my burial. This is my last major point of of what we need to learn from Mary of Bethany. Ready? Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So what do we learn here is that worship is never a waste. Jesus is saying someone greater than good things is here. And so I want to just actually go after this question again, because if you remember at the beginning, I talked about Mary versus Martha and, and how it just creates these two extremes of people. So really, again, is this for everyone? Well, let me tell you this. It is the gospel for everyone. Do we believe the gospel is for everyone? So the gospel is universal. So the Mary call is for everyone. See, the Mary of Bethany is married to the gospel. This is crazy. This will blow your mind if you think about it. We've all been saved by the gospel. We all would say that the world needs the gospel. And I would argue, I love Mary to pieces, but I would argue in this world, in this time, but even back then, Mary never wrote a book. She never had a major crusade. She showed us that there's a few key choices that you can do that will ring out in eternity forever. Mary actually showed us that choosing the better thing, Jesus, creator, remember, God, said this big thing, how I saved everybody in this room, if if you're a believer in here, I've saved everyone in this room. I want to tie what Mary did to the gospel. Why? It's, it, what it's saying is that, okay, you've preached the gospel. I've now re- received the gospel. What does a life look like that's impacted by the gospel? Tell the story of Mary. So Mary is the embodiment of the commandment, the pouring of the perfume, because it doesn't make sense to the surroundings, Right? And this is what's beautiful. You want to know what a life in the gospel looks like? Is you bring your adoration to Jesus and you pour it out on Jesus and you two now become one. Out of that whole room, the fragrance filled up the whole room and there's two people now that smell exactly the same. So may it be true for you that actually you make the primary call of your life sitting at his feet, adoration, where you actually leave the world, you forsake the world and your cell phones and all these things, and you actually pour adoration on Jesus so much that you become like him, you smell like him, and you affect every single room in wherever you go because you smell like Jesus. May that be true for you. May you actually this morning be captured by the love and face of Jesus. Religion will cost, religion will call worship a waste. So lastly, I just want to say you will waste your life on something. What are you going to waste it on? 
See, there's a time when Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, remember, it was, it's all these, uh, even, the, even what he looked at and what he, what he pointed out was all the charismatic stuff. It was the people that did all the stuff. And he said, I didn't know you. Jesus is ultimately saying, one day he'll look at you and say, what did you waste your life on? So you have a choice to take inventory and say, hey, actually, I have partnered with this Martha spirit. Actually, what I, what I do really matters. I need recognition, all these type of things. And so to end, I just want to speak. Uh, the message is really clear uh, to believers and non-believers. So if you're a believer, let's all stand. If you're a believer in this room, the message is pretty clear. That one thing is needed. That's what Jesus is saying. And if, if that is not true for your life, and you need your heart tenderized by the Lord, if you need your heart tenderized, by, and we're going to worship and then do communion in a second. So communion can, peeps can just wait. Um, the message to believers is that you get this gift of repentance. Repentance is not a dirty word. It's a second chance. What I'm describing is holy. All of this is the Christian life. Let me say this. You have one shot in this life. Now that I'm still young, but I have kids and I see how quickly life goes. You have one shot at this thing called being like Jesus. Being a saint. It's not religious. It's, it's, this is the Christian life. And so if you feel like you have fallen short from that, repent and come forward. We're going to move into time of worship. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.